0: Hey guys, Dane here with the Dark Room Podcast. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. In today's episode, I chat with the super talented Mr. Alex Lau. Alex is the staff photographer for Bone Appetit Magazine. I have been a massive fan of his work for years now, and I didn't even realize it. Uh, I think it was earlier uh, last year, 2018, uh, he had a cover, and inside the magazine, it said who the photographer was, and then it just kind of made sense that you know this style and you know this food photographer is the guy that you know does all these photos for them. And I am obsessed with his work, so I'm super pumped for you guys to listen to this. I'm so jazzed up that we connected, and he was uh, willing to give us the time. And you guys don't have to be into food photography. To dig this. You don't even have to be into photography. Uh, Alex is a super cool dude. His story is awesome. He's also into competitive powerlifting, uh, but that's what he does You know, when he's not traveling the world shooting food. Um, yeah, he's super cool, and I was really, really fortunate to be able to talk to him, and I think you guys are going to enjoy this one a lot. I know I did. So without further ado, here is a conversation with Alex Lau. Welcome to the Dark Room podcast where you'll get to hear from the best full-time creators on the planet. From starting out to where they are now and everywhere in between. Welcome to the Dark Room. So, Mr. Alex Lau, thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me, man.
1: Thanks for having me on board.
0: So, I I think we live in this crazy bizarre time in life these days where I uh, I've been a a giant fan of Bon Appetit magazine, and I've had him on my coffee table for years. And not too long ago, within the last year, I, I saw a cover that, you know, was incredible as usual. And I flipped through, and I saw the name of the photographer, Mr. Alex Lau. I found you on Instagram, started following your work, started looking at more of your work, and flash forward, within the year, we're talking on the phone via new york to los angeles on facetime audio it's crazy it's crazy man (laughs) it's such a crazy time of of being able to connect like this and also just being able to like get your work out like you can and and on all these different platforms it's just nuts like what like what is happening uh these days i don't know but it's it's happening and it's crazy and it's cool but thank you so much man i really appreciate you coming on i'm a big big fan of your work
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Again, it's like, it, it really just astounds me when people want to hear about my work and what I do, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm I'm here for it. Well, what's, what's interesting about
0: food. I know that you shoot, you shoot other aspects of photography as well, but, but with food photography, I feel like people either really, really get into it and they really appreciate, you know, food photography and they really look at it like as incredible as it should be. But not everyone will like look at a picture of a cheat like a grilled cheese sandwich and be like, damn, that is the sickest picture I've ever seen. You know? It's like <laughs> yeah, it, it's totally. a different, it's kind of a different world, but you know, me, like I'm I am such a big fan of of food photography. And like I, you know, I have some clients out here in LA, like Pizzana and uh, Mama Shelter, their restaurant, like just places that you know I was lucky enough to be able to shoot for them and their menu and their Instagram and like I even just like the process of shooting
1: I am so stoked on. Food jobs is definitely a crazy industry and a crazy world, and I obviously it's existed for you know however many decades, but I feel like there was kind of a a renaissance of sorts in the past like ten years or so, and yeah. now it's kind of reblooming as a new industry.
0: Um it went from it went from like uh those those McDonald's ads where you know they like fake the cheese on the outside and then like dab the the ketchup just on the outside like does any does any of that like not faking the food photography but is there like is there certain weird placement things that still happen that we wouldn't necessarily know looking at some of your pictures or just pictures in general?
1: Oh, Oh one hundred percent um I think the main question people tend to ask is, oh what you're a food photographer is all the food fake and <laughs> i think there definitely are instances and in shoots like maybe for bigger ad shoots where the food might be fake yeah but for like in, as far as i know and most of most other photographers that work on their sets like all the food's real but that's why we have food stylists yeah um, for sure so food stylists are on set and they source the best products and they like i i would say it's probably the toughest job out of anybody uh out of ever, anybody on set but like all the pressures on that. They have to get the best product, make the food dress like the recipe, make it look beautiful, yeah. and yeah, do little tricks to maybe make the food look a little better. So like sometimes you'll put, I don't know, uh, a pin inside a sandwich just so it holds up, or right. uh, maybe throw a little salt into some carbonated a carbonated drink to make a bubble at the right time, so you can take it at the right moment. Um, how much? But, how much food styling do you do yourself? Um, it really depends on where I am. And if I'm, if I'm working with a food stylist, none. And I, I, I will say I am would never definitely not call myself a food stylist or say that I am good at styling food. Um, but if I'm on location and I'm by myself, say if I'm in Lisbon in Portugal or yeah. in Korea and I'm alone, then yes, I am kind of have to be in that position to style the food. But, uh, most of the time if I'm in like a nicer restaurant, and, you know, the chef plates the food a certain way, that's not really my place to adjust the food. Um, so generally, I'll be, if it doesn't look good, then I'll be, hey, can you replate this? Yeah. And like, here are my certain styling notes because we just want to show off a certain type aspect of the dish. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I try to respect the food stylist job. I'm like, that's your job. You touch the food or if it's a chef, I'm like, that's your job. But, you know, there's certain times where I'll, I'll make little adjustments. Yeah.
0: Well, and I do know too that, you know, to, to go back to, you know, is some of the food fake or not? It, it can't be because I've seen you eat all the food <laughs> on shoots before. Uh, that video of, of you, what did oh, you rack no. up? Thirty Was it 33,000 calories in a week that, that you put down for, for just a normal week of, of shooting and eating?
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if those numbers are particularly <laughs> accurate. <laughs> a little,
0: little bit buffed up for sure.
1: It was, it was a lot of uh, the producers just telling me to constantly eat. Yeah, um, yeah. Just have bites but, of this. Yeah, they're like, can you t- can you take another bite? Can you can you get another bite? Yeah, okay, let's try this other angle. Let's try it again. I uh, think <laughs> at the end of that week, I was hiding from the video team <laughs> so I wouldn't have to be be filmed. They're like, Where, where's Alex? I'm like, they're in a meeting, and I was hiding in a closet. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: well, so let's let's chat about then because I mean, okay, if you if you're listening, uh, it's not that you just like eat crazy amounts just cause. So you you try to take in a lot of calories because. You do competitive powerlifting. Is that something you still do today?
1: That's correct. Yeah, I, I, um, I, in addition to my full-time job as a photographer, I also compete in powerlifting. That's so um, rad, man! What got you into that? Yeah. Um, I, I would say it's probably when I grew up. I was always competing in sports in high school, and I did, I, I did, you know, like, I think at least six sports in high school. Oh, and man. then I went to college, and I started going to the gym because I still wanted to work out, but. It felt boring in um, a needed purpose. And I kind of thought about powerlifting for the internet. I'm like, oh, this is cool. Let me look into it. Yeah. You didn't realize my numbers were, at the time, powerlifting wasn't as competitive, but I was like, oh, my numbers would, in my age group, I would have a state record. So that kind of yeah. gave me the drive to start training. And then in 2014 of October, I had my first powerlifting competition. And I got, Second place and qualified for nationals. So no like, oh, way. I'm pretty good yeah. at this thing that I just started doing, um and yeah, it's it's been uh, a whole thing since then.
0: Uh, were you always a big dude, or did you beef up before the powerlifting?
1: Yeah, I mean, probably when I first started out, like before I started lifting I was maybe like 155 pounds, and now I probably walk around. And, 190 yeah. 190 yeah
0: it's really interesting to me to to you know see some people that are you know so big and and you know that they lift all the time or have been lifting for years and then to also like see the athletes that you know are super slim that are runners and bikers that transition that goes from you know being just very very lean to to gaining a ton of mass
2: you know it sure. almost it almost seems yeah.
0: like when you see people that are that are that are big like that, that they were just born like that. But you have to like I have to remember, like, no, like that person has probably been lifting for at least five to seven years to get, yeah. you know, that big. It's it's such a interesting way that people commit to fitness. Or it's interesting how how different people can commit to fitness, you know?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, before powerlifting I actually had an entire I did something entirely different. I had an entire chunk base in or base base in like endurance sports. So I competed in cycling and I competed in long distance running. Yeah. Um, so I was, you know, 50 pounds lighter, but also doing, yeah, doing endurance sports and very different build. In, uh,
0: in, in training now, like when you train, is it, is it mainly just lifting or do you do, you know, cardio and do you do any like fast pace training
1: on the side? Um, it really depends on the time of the season. So for my off season, there might be more variation. So hey, spend more time on a bike and do yeah. more do sled poles or something like that. Or do more bodybuilding. But if you get closer and closer to competition, um, you'll it'll be more and more specific to what you'll be doing uh, on the platform.
0: Yeah. When you're when you're training for uh, a competition or when you're when you're hitting the gym really hard, are you are you thinking more in muscle groups?
1: Uh so Powerlifting is basically three attempts. There's the squat and the bench press and the deadlift, and you have three attempts at each lift. and the The main objective is to total as much weight as you can,
2: mm-hmm.
1: as possible at the on on those three lifts. Um, so, my main priority is just getting stronger on those three lifts versus like putting on mass. I think people tend to have this misconception like, that yeah, what yeah. I do is bodybuilding.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh,
1: they're like, "Oh, you're a big guy. You compete on stage and wear." A thong and put oil on your body. Yeah, no, that's um, a lot different. Which is totally cool. It's <laughs> yeah. just not what I do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so my main part of just is the that, and I have to stay within a certain weight class. Um, so yeah, there's just a, it's it's a little stricter than people tend to think. It's like oh, he, that's that's why I find that video a little misleading. They made it sound like oh, this guy eats whatever he wants and has to like you know eats like Danny DeVito or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, they got they got to make make it exciting you know sure but uh <laughs> yeah it's it's uh yeah I, I have to track what i eat um i train four times a week i have a coach our program is like structured uh 16 weeks at a time so i know what i'm doing for the next four months uh, and i plan accordingly leading up to each competition
0: yeah are you a, are you a morning trainer or do you
1: train after
0: after during the day
1: uh, i i really wish i had a set time with training but the hardest part of my job, which is already busy enough, I have to fit my training in around that. So generally, it just tends to be, when do I have a free time? So sometimes I'll be training at 5 in the morning. Sometimes I'll be training at midnight or 2 in the morning. Um but I prefer lifting, not it. I prefer not to wake up super early.
0: Yeah. What is a like? What does a schedule look like for you? I know you're you're all over the place, but like, is there like a loose schedule that you kind of you know go through during the week, and you know you kind of know that Monday through Friday you'll be in certain spots, or, or is it all over the place? No, no.
1: I, I, I think for a while there definitely was some structure to it, but at this point, it's very much just a run and gun. Like some days I'll be in the office for the week and just like doing my expenses, editing, or other times I'll be in a studio or other times I'll be in San Antonio, uh, shooting some barbecue spot. Yeah. Um, uh, and then the next day going to, uh, Canada or Mexico city, you know, yeah. uh, it really just truly varies. I, I wish I, yeah, there, I wish there was structure in my
0: schedule, but there really is, <laughs> is that, is that tough for you? Are you someone that, that kind of needs more of a structure or have you you know gotten used to the flow of it?
1: Uh, both. Uh, I personally, obviously I would love structure and like have like something that's a little bit more predictable, but when like say again, emails like, Hey, you're going here tomorrow. The, like it, the part of me is like, okay, let's game on. Let's go. Let's get, let's get the ball rolling. Yeah. Let's get on that plane. Yeah. So I definitely like both. Um, but I, there, there's a, definitely a, like a high that I get when I'm like assigned a place. I'm like, okay, let's go. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so i are gonna play in four hours let's
0: do it i mean dude with all the traveling that that you do like I, are you at a point where most of these spots most of these places that you're going for work you've been before like is there a lot of untapped traveling that that you haven't gotten into yet or places that you haven't been because i know you've been on what like five continents i think i read so you've been almost everywhere
1: yeah i don't i mean in terms of america i haven't really been to a lot of the midwest which i would like to see yeah um, it's, it's definitely mainly just coastal or like Texas. Um, and I'd haven't been to, I think, I guess the only continent or the continents I haven't been to for work are Australia, Africa,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is that it? Antarctica. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, yeah. It's, it's tough to get there.
1: But I mean, I'm, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of places. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when you, when you're traveling, internationally and, and you've been doing it for you know i think what like five years now at least with bon appetit um Maybe five years in may yeah nice man that's so crazy that's so cool uh do you do you really get a taste of the culture as well or are you in and out so fast that it's tough to kind of slow down and and you know really take these spots in
1: yeah it's it's there definitely are glimpses of moments where like hey i'm in this country but People – I think people think like, – example, if I'm shooting in L.A., people think like, oh, this guy's hanging out at Juusta and just lying on the beach in Venice the whole time. <laughs> when instead, I'm probably on like Boyle Heights on the side of a highway shooting a taco stand in 100-degree yeah. weather. Yeah. You know? And like – and then I, it's working from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Man. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. And especially when I'm shooting, you know, it's, it's, it's not always stressful, but it's like in order – as You know, as a photographer, like sometimes you just have to be in the zone and you kind of have to disassociate yourself from where you are, yeah, in order to get a picture for sure. So, I mean, just the other day, I was editing some files of uh, we did a shoot in Malibu and I was like, oh, these this view is really pretty, I wish I was there. And I had to remind myself, like, I was there because I took the photo,
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, you get tunnel
1: vision, I'm sure, a lot of oh, times. absolutely, yeah. yeah. So, I yeah, I mean, like when I, obviously when I go to places, I remember it and I can experience it. But my, if I like a place after shooting it, I'll always be like, I want to come back when I'm not working. Yeah, exactly. It's a very different experience. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I was just in uh, in San Fran for a shoot two days ago, and I was there from like. 7 a.m. to 10 p.m. and yeah. you know I, I go there quite a bit. I go there every month to shoot with the same client. And people are like, "Oh man, San Fran, great. How was it?" Da da da. And it's like I don't, I don't, I don't know. know. I really don't know. Yeah. And like all I want to do is go there for a weekend and just hang out and like see buddies and and just you know cruise around and go get good food and not have to worry about catching a flight at 8 p.m. to you know exactly. Yeah. So that's I totally understand that. But I mean, your yours is so much bigger because you know you're going. To places like, you know, like Lisbon for I'm sure a few days at least, and then going somewhere else. And then it's probably just becomes like not a blur, but it just kind of, you know, becomes so uh, just kind of a whirlwind of just oh, travel sure. and itinerary and hotels and here and there and locations and setup. And this shoot isn't working out in this spot. We got to go here. I, you know, I'm sure there's so many factors that kind of make the travel just A, exhausting, but B, just, you know, just kind of, uh, you know just happening so fast i guess
1: yeah i think at some point i just on certain terms i'm like i don't even know what city i'm in anymore (laughs) you know um but yeah there there are obviously a lot of variables to all these travel shoots and definitely like our job is to make like if something comes up beautiful our job is to hide the amount of you know how much of a shit show everything was and how crazy (laughs) it was
0: yeah that's that's everything though you know that always happens that always happens. I feel like, well, you you become a master of you know working with what you have, and and you know making things work, which is also uh, being a photographer, especially if you work with Absolutely. a lot of a lot of clients and a lot of you know variants uh, of location and, and just everything. Like you're dealing with a lot of hiccups that you got to kind of get over.
1: Yeah, like example, I was in um, Lebanon, I think, two months ago. Yeah, and I think that story just came out, and I'm just, like, oh, that's this is really beautiful story it looks so great like i would love to go and i had food poisoning the entire week i was there
0: no way man did you yeah. shoot too or were you in bed yeah i shot the whole time
1: dude how? and we were working like 15 hour days while i had to go to the bathroom or puke or i had a headache and
0: coughing non-stop dude that's nuts man are you yeah. you weren't you weren't alone with when you shoot i know so how, how many other people yeah. are you with that also had to had to deal with you as well
1: Um, so, I mean, really sometimes I'm alone, but on that trip I was my creative director and, uh, one of our food editors, um, on the shoot. So yeah, we had a little team and we kind of just kept each other going, but yeah, these days are always rough, but it's, it's always nice to have another person on set.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, to, you know, motivate each other. Yeah. So, well,
0: cause you started, I know with an internship right? yeah. Through Bon Appetit. Yeah. So and that was, yeah. I mean, was that close to five years ago or were you?
1: No, I was an intern in 2000. at bone appetite in 2013. Okay. And I, I started May,
0: 2014. Okay. What drew you yeah. to, uh, to Bon Appetit of all the I mean, internships
1: you can get? I mean, I never planned to be a photographer. I never planned to get into food. It's just, yeah. So I actually, Started off, um, being in, in men's fashion and oh, men's wow. ad, like men's wear editorial. So, yeah, yeah. uh, I grew up in San Francisco. I actually thought I was going to go to music school because I played the saxophone for about 10 years and I was getting really into it. I want to pursue a career. Yeah. Got, got into a bunch of schools and, uh, was excited and I was like, oh, let's, let's get this ball rolling. And then I actually visited the schools and I quickly realized I was, you know, uh, way way like i was just swinging too high i was like this is not where i should be yeah um i was I was very good at replicating music i wasn't good at creating music i, was right. like, I can sound like these guys but like these guys are creating good things and i was like this is not for me mm-hmm. um so then i ended up going find a bunch of other schools i didn't want to stay in california even though i got into some ucs and i ended up going to this uh private college in boston called emerson college
2: yeah
1: and i decided uh I was like, oh yeah, like musical music's not a viable career. Let's do journalism. <laughs> so uh, I majored in uh, print journalism. Yeah, um, and it was there that it was, it was, yeah, I had a great, great time there. But in my first year, I uh, actually interned at the state house of Massachusetts because um, I was like, oh, let's maybe I want to pursue a career in politics. I didn't want to do that. I was in the legislative affairs department. I still don't really know what that meant. Yeah, I mean um, that's
0: a bold choice for not really knowing what
1: you want to do. To sure. be like, oh, politics? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, let's see what it's like. Yeah. Um, and after a semester, I'm like, this was cool. It's just not for me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and after that first year, I I was like terrified of not having something to do during the summer. So I, was, like, I have an internship. Let's get another internship. And I had always been drawn and gravitated towards magazines. I, I, I grew yeah. up in GQ, grew up running Esquire. Um, and I was. Let's somehow break, like get myself into the New York City fashion, not fashion, but like magazine world. I was like, I right. want to work for any magazine. Um, so I actually, or it, it wasn't even New York. I was like, I just want to work for any magazine. So I applied to a bunch in Boston. Um, nobody got back to me. I applied to a bunch in San Francisco. Nobody got back to me. Um, and finally, like it was like three weeks out from the last day of school. And I saw a posting for, oh, fashion intern at, esquire magazine yeah and i was like wow that's a very big deal um i don't know if i can get that but i'll try so i sent out an email and i think it was like 1 a.m and i was like okay i'm just gonna send it, and whatever happens happens uh woke up at like 7 a.m and i got an email like, hey can you come in tomorrow for an interview in new york yes and i was <laughs> in boston yeah so i was like Okay, cool. And like, you know, in, in any situation like that, you always say yes. I'm like, yes, I will be there tomorrow. And then you figure so, it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I took a lot of bus. Chi- Do you know, are you familiar with the Chinatown bus between New York and Boston?
0: No, I'm not. No.
1: So, so there's a Chinatown bus route between New York and Boston. And at, I think it's a little more expensive now, but uh, at the time it was $10 or less. Nice. Um, so I, and they're not nice. They're like, definitely not like good buses. Like <laughs> yeah. stinking, but it gets like, you there. It has wheels. Yeah like people clip their toenails on there. you know. <laughs> it's a lot of like the, a very not flattering view of like the, the route between Boston and like Connecticut you're in the middle of Connecticut. Yeah. I mean, it's 10 bucks. Know? That's what you get. You get it's 10 bucks. toenail yeah. clippings uh, for 10 bucks. Exactly. So like <laughs> the 10 bucks gets me New York city. Let's do it. So I got some suit that I uh, had um, from H and M or something that I bought for super cheap. Yeah. And you know, I had to my friend's dress shoes, got on the bus um, and it went to the Hearst building, but since the Hearst building, there's really no place for me to put my things down. And I didn't want to walk into an interview with my backpack. So yeah. what I would, what I did was I went straight from Boston to New York and Chinatown, took the train from Chinatown to the New York public library, which is right near Times Square and Bryant Park. I would change into my suit there, hide all my things underneath a toilet. No way. Yes, yes. And like my <laughs> backpack. And then I would change it to it and all I have in my resume. And I um, took another train to the Hearst building on West 57th and uh, I walked in. I uh, spoke with Mike Stefanoff who at the time was the assistant fashion editor and I was very nervous. I was like, this is a very fancy building. Yeah. Uh, very glitzy, very glamorous. And he interviewed me and he was like, and so what's your deal? I'm like, um, Listen, I know my resume says n- has zero fashion experience, but uh, I'm a hard worker. I've interned at the Statehouse. Um, here are all the fashion blogs I like. Here are all those bloggers I like. Um, and I really like menswear. These are brands I like. And yeah. They're like, you're hugely underqualified, but okay, let's go. Can nice. you start next week? Um, so that was basically my foot in the door into the editorial world. Um and it was great. Have you watched Devil Wears Prada? No, I know of it, but I've not watched it. It's very much like it was very much like Devil Wears Prada, like a little nicer, and like wear isn't mens fashion isn't nearly as cutthroat as women's fashion is. But it was definitely fast paced. Like you know, I worked um, in a fashion closet. So for those of you that don't know, like being in a fashion closet, that's where. Um, all These magazines pull clothes from clothing brands or PR brands to get all these clothes in one place for photo shoots. Yeah, and basically imagine a giant room which is like a shit show of uh, like clothing racks with like clothing, like jackets worth to like you know $20,000 and suits that like are more expensive than your entire house. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was my job like sourcing all these materials and returning them after shoots. Um, I assist in a lot of photo shoots, so I think that summer. I was on a shoot with Justin Timberlake, um, and then with Ryan Gosling. So, yeah, and like just seeing how the magazine world and the mag- like fashion magazine world in New York City operated was exhilarating for me. Yeah, you know, I got to be on the shoot. Like, oh, this is what celeb- like these celebrities are right there. They're doing a photo shoot right there. I got to see Nick Sullivan, the fashion director at Esquire, like move around and operate. I'm like pull mood boards and and see like this is how we want to do the on location shoot in maine um this is these these are the brionni jackets that we're we're going to pull and having a very specific concept i'm like i found it very very appealing i'm like this is something that i want to pursue
0: yeah and then Um, were you when you when you got into that world and you were thrown into it i mean did you did you think that that was 100% the, you know, the path that you wanted to pursue was in this fashion world, in this like very editorial, you know, world of like the GQ man or GQ magazines and and all of those styles of publications. Um, At the time. Yeah.
1: Um, I, 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 I realized that's what I wanted to pursue. So after that, I went back to school and I, Participated in my uh, school's fashion magazine, and I was obsessed over – at the time, Tumblr was big, so I was obsessed over Tumblr and menswear um, and just wanted to learn more and more about the world. The next summer, I worked for Nylon Guys. um, Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which doesn't exist anymore, but then I also uh, worked a little bit with Complex And I worked with um, a former uh, brand in Boston called Karma Loop, uh, which also no longer exists, I think. But they had a smaller subsidiary attached to them called Boylson Trading Company, Mm -hmm. uh, which was more luxury uh, menswear brands. But so I, I probably stuck with it for about two and a half years. But after that, I just realized it wasn't really the world for me. I was like, I had to come to the realization I'm like, okay. This is cool. I like being in working in fashion, but I don't know what I want to do in fashion. I don't yeah. want to be a fashion assistant. I don't want to be a stylist. I I'm not good enough to be a photographer. Um and you know like I don't want to be a fashion writer. So like what am I really doing here? What what scared um, or what steered you away
0: from from thinking that you could be uh, a photographer or not thinking you could, I guess? Like
1: what what was, was the just, reasoning? I think it was just me being like a realist, you yeah. know. I was like, I I don't study photography. I I had a camera. I I had a DSLR in like high school, and I shot like every other teenager does. And I had a Flickr account, but I, I I always I never once thought, oh, this is something I can pursue as a career. Yeah. Um. But so that was always yeah. It, so when people say, oh, how'd you end up here? Like, I don't know. I just kind of <laughs> ended up here. But uh, so yeah, I ended up in fashion, and, and I realized it wasn't for me um well you
0: were around some big shoots too like huge shoots so like i i feel like i i understand um kind of being in a position because i was an intern at interscope records and i was Mm. a photo assistant so i was around shoots with like lady gaga and 50 cent and all these big artists i saw how big these shoots were and it scared the shit out of me and i was like there's no way i can run something like this like this shoot is yeah yeah, it is so like i I understand what you're saying when you you know kind of say that it's it just didn't seem like it was it was grabbable like it, it didn't seem like you could you know kind of run something like that on that scale and and you were just thinking a little bit smaller
1: at the time. Exactly. I was yeah. like, what, 19 years old. I was like, oh. Yeah, it's scary. I, I was like, I can't be in that position. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, yeah. No. And what then, were you going to get into? Because I, I yeah, sure. I think after that, I started just shooting more and like because I was like still interested in photography and I took like one or two classes. Yeah. And in my free time. I kind of grew a love for public radio, and I still do, um, but I started uh, doing photography for my school's uh, public radio station. Nice. Um, so basically, I uh, started doing covering these shows of all these bands. Once we got to go to two or three shows, get a media pass, and you know, shoot the first three songs and go home, and yeah. maybe write a couple pieces, and I was like, maybe I want to pursue a career in music journalism. You know, this is within the realm of my major and, um, I can maybe some combined r- words and writing, like let's work in public radio. Um, but I, again, I applied to a bunch of places and nobody really wanted to work with me. <laughs> um, so that kind of fizzled out and I, yeah, like I think after that, I, that the next summer I applied to NPR and I got into this is my junior year. I got into a bunch of interviews with NPR and I got called back. I'm like, great. I'm going to spend my summer in D.C. Yeah. Uh, working for this uh, you know, music station this be Great. This is, this is going to open the door. And then they just turned me down. Oh, man. Um, yeah. yeah. It was hugely competitive. I think they only picked one person out of like a thousand. Um, so there I was junior year and I realized, you know, I don't have any viable options for the summer. And I applied to a bunch more places. And this time with a much more stacked resume. Uh, I'd like, worked at a bunch of great brands and uh, print magazines. Yeah. And nobody got back to me. Or, like, they were just like, nothing's available. Um, and finally, again, I saw another post in the middle of the night that said, Bon Appetit photo intern. And I was like, well, hey, I like food. <laughs> and yeah. I like photography.
0: Did you know the magazine, too?
1: Not really. So I was, I was dating a girl all the time, and she was more into food than I was. Uh-huh. Um, and I told her like, hey, I actually got in. I, I think I got two interviews. I got one interview at Bon Appétit, and one interview at O Magazine. Okay, like Oprah's. Oprah, magazine. yeah, 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 for
0: sure. Her office and, is right in my.
1: In, in my head, I equated the two as the same. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, these are both cool. Well, food that's when O
0: Magazine just came out too, or it just started, I think. Right? Really? Like it was, yeah, I'm super not sure, new. Yeah. yeah,
1: super new. Um, and I was like, this is really cool. Like I'll hang out with Oprah. Uh, and, uh, she was like, you're an idiot. Bon Appetit <laughs> is the superior publication yeah. to work with. Yeah. So I, I, yeah. So I emailed Bon Appetit. Bon Appetit somehow, again, like lucky chance. So like, Hey, what time can you come in? Um, I took another Chinatown bus last minute and, uh, interviewed. And they're like, again, they were like, we actually don't like, you're not that qualified to take on this job because you don't really have photo experience uh, working in any magazines and you don't only really have food magazine experience, but no,
0: you're right back in square one. and you yeah, have all, but yeah. you're:
1: But this time, well your biggest strength uh, beyond the other candidates is that you've worked at a bunch of New York-based magazines, right. like national magazines, so we know you can handle it. So they took me on board, and it was a drastically different world from the fashion world.: yeah. While I loved the fashion world, there was definitely definitely a, a little bit more cutthroat. Yeah. And um, being in food while well, food can be stressful, but at the time I experienced I'm like this is significantly better than being in fashion. Everyone's nice. I think it's mainly because they're not hangry and yeah. you know they're all, they're all eating well. Um, <laughs> a lot of lot, egos
0: in the fashion world too, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. So it was a, little, a lot more hospitable and friendly and I learned a lot about food photography and just being on that. side. I'm like I can still pursue what I want. In the world of, you know, editorials and like magazine world, well, that happened to be in fashion. Um, and being in the, working in the photo department, did a lot of photo research, yeah. assisted on set, um, you know, and learn how production works. And that's when I realized, oh, maybe I want to be a photo editor because I'm still not good enough to be a photographer, but I would love to be attached to the creative side yeah. or, uh, of some publication whether it be art and photo. So I worked, uh, yeah, interned for the photo team. And then what I, that was my new goal. I got back to Boston for my senior year of college and I ended up interning for Boston magazine. Okay. And I was their web digital intern, which was great because at first I was a little bummed that I wasn't a print intern, but truly a blessing in disguise because obviously no one's going to give a byline or a photo credit to an intern in print. But since it was a smaller publication, since it was a website, they were like, hey, you're more than welcome to write whatever stories you want, take whatever photos you want, and it'll be published the next day, you know? Yeah, that's super cool. So, yeah, so I, and they saw that I had interned for Bon Appetit, Um, and like, so you're familiar with food. Great, we don't really have a food section. We're going to send you a bunch of restaurants, maybe, you know, once a week, and like, you're going to cover these and photograph these. And I was working with, uh, their food editor, Chris Hughes Mm -hmm. at the time. And it was basically me and him just going around to these restaurants, uh, shooting food. And I didn't really, I was not technical at all. I didn't understand how lighting worked. Um, all I knew was that, Oh, I'm just going to shoot all these dishes overhead and use available light because I didn't have lights and I just kind of went off of what I saw on set. Um so I vaguely knew like the elements of what would make a good photo food photograph. Mm-hmm. Obviously in retrospect, looking back at the photos now, they're not great, but um but it was good. I built up a, a big portfolio in those uh like six months working with Chris and working with Boston Magazine. And that uh, one of the biggest things was I pitched my own story on oh, a roundup of the best fall places in Boston. Yeah. So I just biked around Boston and went to each Vietnamese spot and like took a picture of each kind of uh that that place offered and did a roundup and like shot it myself and wrote it myself and actually did really really well uh, on their website and that's and that's also when I realized like okay like there's potential here. Yeah. Um, I mean, did you
0: have a moment when around that time when you really started to enjoy the process of shooting food, or did you kind of? You know, just just start doing it more and more because it was right in front of you. Uh
1: I, I think both. Yeah. I, I I definitely wanted to show my someone that someone wanted to ask me to shoot food. I'm like, yes, absolutely, let's do it. Yeah. And what a cool internship, you know? Oh, what's your internship? you get to shoot for food for a magazine? Um, so that that was a dream for me. Um But yeah, so at the time I was my senior year, I was still applying so but while still working for the magazine. And at the end of my internship with Bon Appetit, my photo director, Alex Pollock at the time, she was like, you're great. You're a hard worker and we, we would love to be in contact with you. Hit me up when you graduate yeah, and we'll try to make something work. So I would try to keep in touch with her and like an email her, hey, are any positions open? Um, I know, like, I would love to be on board once I graduate. I Graduate in May. No response. Um, and I follow up another month. No response. I'd send her photos that I took from Boston Magazine. Like, here, I just wanted to update you with my portfolio. Nothing. Yeah. Um, I tried calling. No response. Uh, one time I was in New York and showed up to Four Times Square, which is where the old office was. I'm like, I'm here. Can you <laughs> yeah. put me on the phone? Alice Pollack. Alice Pollock's not available right now. Oh, man. So I was like, wow, she really wants nothing to do with me. Man. Um, so once again, I, tried to, I started finding jobs, and I tried to take another swing at NPR um and this time I applied for their like it was like a paid postgraduate program mm-hmm. for the summer and I'm like let's try it again let's get it didn't get it <laughs> um and then Teach for America approached me and they're like oh we would love to you know as a person of color and um a male like you're we don't really have that many you know male Asian teachers in Teach for America we would love to have you on board mm-hmm. and I uh, you know, I didn't have a job lined up, and I was like, "Okay, this is cool; it gives me yeah. purpose." Um, so they pulled me in, interviewed, and and I was like, "This, is, yeah, I, I would love to be a teacher." And and you know, I got I got pretty far in. They asked me to create a lesson plan. And I did that, and uh, eventually, I was just like, "I don't want to be a teacher." And I don't know if you know like the structure of Teach America, but basically, you know, they they hire. New graduates out of college to mm. go teach at these underfunded schools that and deal with classrooms that you know, experienced teachers can't even handle. Yeah. So, yeah, I was like, you really, really have to want to teach if you want to do Teach America. And I was like, I have, I don't have a passion for it, it's not for me. Um, so, I applied for a production assistant job at Food and Wine Magazine. Um, which is basically, you know, all clerical work and you know administrative work. But I was like, hey, this is a job. This yeah, is a exactly. job in the industry that I wanted. This can lead to other things. Um and keep in mind this whole time I'm I'm emailing Bonavateen.
0: Yeah, and you're in Boston. You're living in Boston at this time. I'm
1: living in Boston. Yeah. So yeah. you're I'm trying you somewhere.
0: want to get to the city too. So you need anything that can bring you there as well. Exactly
1: something that something yeah. that'll get me in the industry, something that'll get me in New York, because I didn't want to be in Boston. Yeah. Um so I, yeah, I applied to Food & Wine. Uh, they call me and they call me in for an interview. And they, they're like, wow, you're pretty overqualified for this job, but <laughs> please take this. Because yeah. I, I remember, like, I sent them all my published work. I showed them all my photos. I showed them my byline. I'm like, here's all the plays I've injured for, like, oh, are you sure you want this job? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I would love this job. I'm like, okay. yeah." So I, so I accepted the job. I'm like, great. I, I have something lined up. After graduation, it's in the food world. Um, it's in the magazine world. I, I have a living now. Yeah, I don't have to ask my parents for money. <laughs> um, and I think a day after I accepted that job, I got a call from an unknown number, and it's Alex Pollack. No our, my photo director. Good timing. And she's like, she's like, hey, how are you? I'm so sorry that. You know, I, I I haven't had a chance to answer any of your emails. Things have been crazy. are like, that's fine. What's up? And she's like, so there's this, I, I've gotten all your photos and they look great. Uh, there's this new uh, position that opened up. It's kind of a junior position. We're still trying to figure out what it is. But basically, mm-hmm. we want a staff photographer for the magazine. Um, it involves travel and video and photo work. Um, are you in, interested in talking about it? I'm like, yes, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah. And once again, like, I think people in New York, like, I've realized, I think this this way as well, but people in New York assume everybody lives in New York. So yeah. she was like, can you come in tomorrow? <laughs> You're like, sure. So once again, she was like, I hung up, you know, bus. got my suit, Chinatown bus, <laughs> put my shit underneath the the toilet in the New York Public New York, uh, Library, yeah. and it was, uh, got straight to four times square. And uh, I interviewed with the deputy editor and Alex and... Yeah. They're like, this is great. Um, thank you so much. And we're like interviewing a couple candidates. We'll, you know, it's like a longer process. Um, we'll let you know. And I'm like, Hey, here's the thing though. I accepted a job two days ago.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And then
1: they're like, what? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you called me right after I accepted a job. And so they started scrambling and then they're like, okay, let us get back to you. Yeah. And they're like, Quickly. okay, uh, can you meet? Our-? And, and they're like, we'll, we'll get back to you within a week. I get back on the bus to uh-huh. go back to Boston. I'm on the bus. And I get an email from Alex saying, Our editor in chief, Adam, would like to have an uh, interview with you tomorrow. No way. No so, um, way. So part of me is like, OK, do I go back to Boston? Yeah. And You got to sleep in the bus library. Back? Yeah. So I look to the bus driver. I'm like, Hey, man, I know we're in the middle of nowhere right now in Queens, but you really need to let me off the bus.
0: <laughs> no way. He's like, way. The bus doesn't
1: stop. He's like, You please let me off this no bus. No way. So I got off the bus in my suit, you know, and like took a train back, and I ended up crashing my aunt's house. um, in An interview with Adam, and you know, in the span of a week, my life went from not knowing what to do with my life, yeah, uh, and being to being the staff photographer for going up to your magazine. That is
0: absolutely wild, man. That is such a cool story, too. And and so with all the internships that you did, I mean, it sounds like you know you were every summer just. Where can I go next? Where, where can I get, you know, a spark of passion to figure out either what I want to do when I graduate or just like someone that will give me a job? Like at the end of the day... I mean, obviously I feel like it worked out, you know, best case scenario, but like, do you ever look back and, and think about, you know, potential other routes or or to you, like, was that the ultimate, like at the end of all this cycle of internships and meeting people and all these connections, like, you know, like what was it like to finally break into to that room as a staff photographer and be like, all right, like I'm settled. This is, this is good.
1: I mean, it was definitely like a case of like imposter syndrome. You know, I was like, why, why am I here? Why did they pick me? Yeah. I am not qualified. Also, I mean, they also asked me a bunch of like, oh, can you do video? Can you do, can you light? I'm like, yes, of course. I'm like, I didn't know how to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So I basically lied my way into it. Yeah. Thing, which only further enhanced my imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just Google everything later. Yeah. That's uh, the name of the um, game though.
0: That's it now. Yeah. That's what people do. Yeah.
1: So yeah. And honestly, for the first years of my, of my career, I was, my only goal was don't get fired. There was never a point like I felt like I made
0: it. Yeah. You never got super cozy, like super comfortable, like, all right, like I'm the guy now and like I'll tell you guys all what to do. Like when you were in there you were yeah, you were taking still taking direction and still, you know, being available for
1: for anything. Yeah. I mean my my, my, like I didn't know how to light. I had no idea of my own I didn't really know how to make food look good. You know, I was just the towels was I I was like a twenty one year old kid. Yeah. You know. Um But, yeah, it's like, I was like, don't get fired. And, like, they would always ask me to do things. I'm like, great, I can definitely do that and spend the next six hours Googling how to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. And at that time, like, I would see, like, larger sh- – again, like, that that whole notion of seeing larger, big production shoots. I would see these – at that time, I wasn't shooting print because, you know, like, they, they they knew not to trust me with print or larger <laughs> stories. They just wanted me to handle all, like, the smaller projects, like web stories. Yeah, or, like, web stuff. Product shots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was lo- always look from afar. I'm like, I don't know how they do it. That seems so crazy. Um, I didn't, I didn't, also didn't really have a boss at that time. I wasn't, a, I wasn't attached to the photo or art team. So even though Alex Pollock got me the job, I didn't really work with Alex Pollock, Um or our creative director at the time, Alex Grossman. Um, so I didn't really have any photo mentor. Yeah. So for two years, I was just kind of, you know, meandering and hoping for the best and taking these photos and like, They'd be okay and I thought they were fine. But eventually I, I think they realized, hey, we have a staff photographer on set and we're not really giving them any direction. Let's pull them in, help them get better, and uh, fine-tune them and you know, so we can use them for bigger projects.
0: Yeah. Well, and I feel um, like it's so uh, like I mean you would know better than I would, but is it common for for magazines? And publications to you know generally use just you know one or two or three photographers only. Like I feel like you know how many covers have you had you know to this day, and like how many photographers wish they had two covers
1: you know that (laughs) work for a
0: magazine. You know what I mean? Like your work is so like ingrained in Bon Appetit now. So it's just interesting that you know that that you ended up in this world where a lot of the visuals for this entire gigantic brand is through your eyes. You know.
1: Sure. Yeah. And, which is crazy where I am now, because a lot of people don't realize for my first part of my career, I, I was not in that position. You know, I was, I was in definitely in a position where I was doubting myself. I'm like, should I should I quit and go home and move in with my parents? You know, like like this is yeah. like, I'm not good at this. Yeah. Because um, I was like, I wasn't getting the bigger projects. I was, you know, working by myself and shooting like 20 shots of like mustard, you know. <laughs> Um, constantly down. Like there was nobody there to guide me, and eventually, like my creative director picked me up. And like, have you ever watched Whiplash? Oh, I feel I feel like I have. Is it the? Explain it. It's uh, the premise is this jazz drummer and he has a very Oh yeah
0: yeah 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 I yeah yeah it was blanking out for a second. I love yeah. yeah absolutely love Whiplash
1: yeah. So my my creative director basically did Whiplash to me. Um, like he 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 just pulled me into an like intense boot camp and like very like tough love type of like nurturing. And you're just like, this is bad. Make it better. Yeah. Make it better. This is still not good. And then, like, I think there was a couple of times he'd be frustrated with me. He's like, listen, if you're a freelancer, I wouldn't ever hire you again. Oh man. And, you know, and your man, hands are bleeding from hitting, hitting the love. drums.
0: Yeah. Basically, <laughs> yeah. man. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm like, I don't know how to get better. And like, it was that, I, I think that type of, uh, direction or, yeah. or, or teaching isn't good for mo- a lot of people. But I I kind of responded well to it, and I was like, okay. This is sink or swim.
2: Yeah, for you know, sure. Like
1: he he wants he's doing this because he wants to get better and expects a higher standard. So I kind of just rose to the occasion. I started studying. I was like I looked at all these covers and when all these bigger photographers were shooting. How do they shoot? What what do people like? And I obsessed over it. And yeah. finally, I started like copying little things and like you know. Like it, when the other photographers are on set, I like kind of peek over. I'm like, "What are they doing? How are they? You know, how are they shooting?" Yeah. And uh, next thing you know, I, I, I get one. I get. I got my first big project. I think in 2016, and I shot this uh, story about uh, burritos in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Great, this is awesome."
0: Yeah, and you um, know San Fran
1: too, so it, it, Well, that's why there was a pressure. I was like, "This is a big feature story." And I, it this is my hometown. Yeah. So I need, I better make this good. Yeah. But it's also tough, it, like, I don't know if you shot a lot of food, but shooting a burrito is not easy. It, <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's it, you're just shooting a tortilla, tortilla blob.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: Um, so yeah, I, I went into that one. I was like, I have to prove myself. I have to do this. And just kind of went in there and shot the shit out of everything. And, and, you know, again, went to that disassociated state, and just tried to come back with as good of a presentation I, uh, as I could, and I came back and they loved it. Yeah, and I think that was my proving point where they realized, like, oh, Alex can actually deliver a good product. Yeah, he can come back, can shoot. Were you in the
0: publication at that time, or were you still doing things for 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 online and social?
1: I had, but I had done a bunch of smaller stories. Okay, um, but yeah, that was a, earlier <laughs> in my career. Was, was weird too because. Since there was really no structure to my job, I was just doing whatever last was asked me So at the time I was doing video, at the time I was running the social media for Bon Appetit, even, even though now there's a separate job for it, mm-hmm. um, I was shooting events at night, uh, which is terrible, <laughs> and I was uh, you know I was shooting like small print projects. Yeah. So I was doing a lot of I was still very busy, but just nothing that was you know big.
0: Yeah, and so the style that that we see today which is such a unique style like at this point like i know if i see a cover or if i flip through that magazine like i know if it's your shot which is which is awesome right because it's you know like style is you know very important but did your style did you did you bring it to the magazine was it in there deep down that it finally started to come out or did you did bon appetit bring that style to you did they steer you in that direction at all or was it was it all you know coming
1: out through you to be honest, I still don't really know what my style is. Um, I think I think an unspoken thing about being a staff photographer is that it's not really quite the same as being a freelancer.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Being as a freelancer, you're you're encouraged to have your own voice. You're right. encouraged to this is my brand. This is how I shoot. This is what people will know me for. When you're a staff photographer, it's kind of like you know being a line cook. You know you you might you might have talent. and You might have your own way of plating things, but you do what. The chef tells you to do, mm-hmm. you know. So I had to learn how to shoot, number in a bunch of different ways as a staff photographer. They're like, we want to shoot like su- such and such. We want to do this one. Mm-hmm. We want to try this lighting setup. So I, uh, I think it, it just felt like boot camp. So I had to just learn to shoot, be very, very versatile.
2: Right.
1: Um, shoot with hard light. Shoot with soft light. Shoot at different angles and shoot make things look punchy and like. And fast and young and other, time, other times make things look, you know, older and refined and soft. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I, I would definitely say I'm very, very grateful to Alex Grossman and Alex Pollack for, you know, kind of pushing me beyond my limits and expecting more and more. I can, I'll definitely say that wasn't me. You know, I can't say, like, if I had shot by myself this entire time, I wouldn't be where I am. Yeah, for sure. Um, but so definitely the magazine is what made me rise to the occasion.
0: Well, and now too, you know, with, with interns that, that you work with, do you approach, I mean, I know you said that, you know, teaching wasn't for you, but you know, how do you approach interns or assistants that, that come into to your space and your world? Like, how do you, you know, how's that collaboration and in, in working with them and kind of showing them the
1: ropes? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't really have interns at Connie Nass anymore. Um, but, you know, whenever we have assistants come in or, you know, our assistant editors, I just try to simplify everything for them. I'm like, I know it seems like a lot. And I know you've seen these sets where there's like 8,000 different lights and like nine cameras for no reason. Yeah. Don't think of it that way. At the yeah. end of the day, you have to look at a shot. What's 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 the shot? It's one key light and it's one one shadow direction. Okay, so let's do that. How do you want to process the colors, you know? I, I encourage them to keep it as simple as possible. Right. Um, and you know, I I also tell them, hey, watch what I do. You know, or I pull up some photos and I'm like, hey, how would you improve this? What's now that we've shot it? How would you process this photo? Well, are are you gonna are you gonna clip the highlights? Or are you gonna take away some of the red? Or are you gonna you know, dodge and burn over there? What what like what, what would you do? And I just kind of help them deduce, um, figure out themselves as well. I just want to keep it simple.
0: Yeah. yeah. Which is huge. I mean, I feel like yeah. that's that's a big problem with you know being a freelancer and even getting into this world of photo or video. It's like you you see the people that are doing it at a very high level, and you think that you need to you need to do exactly that to compete and you need to have these gigantic, you know, setups, which in some cases you really kind of do like even an interscope. Yeah, like
1: it is absolutely necessary. It, it's
0: true. It's necessary, but it's, it's good to learn it so you can have that and you know that you can exactly. run and shoot that big. But at the end of the day, if you have, you know, like you're saying, like if you have one light and one camera and you're in, you know, somewhere in Brooklyn, and you need to shoot something in a tiny little corner, like to be able to do that too, like, you know, is, is
1: important. Yeah. I know a lot of like photographers that, have big production sets and would not do well with a run and gun type of setup. Yeah. You know, um, and you know, vice versa. But yeah, it, generally it's simple. I'm like, I'm not like a big equipment guy. You know, I, I, most of the time I use one light source. Um, food photography essentially isn't like the whole notion of food diving, mean, like taking food isn't that hard, but it's very hard to execute the basics. Yeah. Um, and that's so. That's why I'm like, if there's so many moving parts already, keep your setup as simple as possible. Mm-hmm. So
0: when you said uh, Conde Nast, so when now do you get work for other other things other than Bone Appetit through that, or is it always Bone Appetit? Uh, yeah, yeah,
1: I, I do. I do uh, freelance products here and there, but I'm honestly so busy that I don't really. I only work. I work with, like a couple clients, like. Yeah, but there are people that email me a lot for for jobs.
0: Yeah, and, and I mean, it, I'm sure it's hard to hard to balance that as well as the the powerlifting and you know exactly. all the travel. There's no way. I mean, I don't even know how you can handle the lifting and the 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 <laughs> full time staff photographer. I don't know either. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Uh, do you remember your first cover?
1: Yes, my first cover was I think I think 2016, and it, I I. It technically wasn't really my first cover, because it was a multiple, it was one of those multiple covers, and, like, four photographers shot it, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, everybody got different versions, but it was uh, this shot of a donut in Portland at this place called Blue Star Donuts, and it was shot on white, and it's for the travel issue, and it was very exciting, because I was, like, told by, at that point, I was on this weird trip where I was in 15 cities in a month, Man. which was crazy. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. That was kind of crazy. I, I haven't done anything of that magnitude since then. But I was in the middle of a 15-city trip. I was in Portland. I was just told, like, hey, can you go shoot this donut shop because it might run as a cover. I'm like, oh, what? Yeah. Well, yeah, like, <laughs> hey, you're there. And I'm like, it, uh, it, it's a potential cover. Just, like, go shoot this on white. Shoot it, like, poppy light and make it look good and take a bite out of it and try a bunch of different donuts. And, uh, yeah, I remember going to that donut shop and being so stressed out. Um I'm like, how do I make this shot look good? And I, I think I got like 20 donuts that day and like taking a bite out of each donut and just putting there. And like, yeah. I still didn't really know how to light at that point, like the way that I wanted to.
0: What did you bring with you for, for that setup?
1: I think I brought a bronze color pack and just one light. Yeah. Um, And then I like shot it on a white seamless on the floor of the restaurant. And uh, yeah, I was... There i was a head case i, I didn't know like now if, like, if something like this is what they want i'm like great you don't know why like boom i'm done 10 minutes yeah but i think i spent like two minutes like analyzing it and then but i shot it submitted it and i was like they're probably not gonna run it because they probably don't want to run it um and then i found out that it ran um even though there were three other options those options went to subscribers but mine was the one that ran my shot of the donut. the other one was like oysters and donuts no, oysters and ramen stuff like that yeah but my shot of the donut ran like nationwide in newsstands, so that was pretty cool.
0: Nuts, man. And do you know? I mean, maybe now you do more so than then, but you know, when you're going on these shoots, do you know what will potentially be a featured story or a cover for
1: sure? Or I mean, we definitely kind of know of- what we definitely know what our feature stories are. Yeah. Everything's planned. It's like this is middle book, this is gonna be a feature story, let's spend more time on this. Mm-hmm. There's a smaller story that's gonna run like half a page. In terms of covers, I mean, unless there's like an amazing shot that comes up covers are almost always planned. Yeah. Like in in the pre-pro meetings, the editors will be like, this dish is very beautiful at this restaurant. If you want to shoot this, this is the one we should feature. But sometimes that doesn't work either. You know, sometimes it doesn't turn out the way we want to. So then we end up either reshooting a cover or going with another option.
0: And to this day, I mean, you've had, you know, at least a dozen covers, right?
1: I think less, definitely less than a dozen. I would say maybe seven. It seems like a lot, but it's not that much.
0: Yeah. So, being as good as you are and being, you know, in, in my opinion, kind of the top of the sphere when it comes to food photography, what keeps you at Bon Appetit? Because you know that if you hit the streets with the work that you've done, you could do this for, you know, all over the place for, you know, the biggest restaurants in the world, the biggest publications in the world. But what keeps you doing it at Bon
1: Appetit? I mean, what people, I think mean, they might realize that what people may not know is that, Working at Bonafide is a very, very special place. Um, My boss, Editor in Chief Adam Rappaport, is, as I like to tell people, he's the best boss I've ever had. And then he comes back with me, I'm the only boss you've ever had. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. He's, you know, he's a very, very fostering editor that believes in me and always pushes me better. And I know a lot of people, even at magazines, don't have that relationship with their editor in chief. Like I'm sure people at Vogue aren't talking to Anna Wintour and, you know, very as candidly as I talk with Adam.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um my creative director, Michelle Outland, is a visual and creative genius. She has done so many things. She's created Gather Journal, which I don't know if you're familiar with. No. Um, but she's very like the way her brain works is crazy. And like what she sees, like I'm still I still have so much to learn from her and like see what she sees. And just being around my coworkers, it's 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 all it's crazy working there. And you know it's very high stress, but it's the best of the best. Yeah, and you know the, I can always leave, but I can't always come back. You know right. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah, nice man. Well, dude, thank you, thank you so much for for giving me the time. It it really is so cool to be able to chat with you and you know talk to uh, talk to the guy behind these you know incredible shots that you know I see all the time and I follow, and I'm sure a lot of people listening do too. So you know it's cool to. It's really cool to see your process and just, you know, the crazy story of how it came to be. Cause it's never, it's never <laughs> what it seems, you know, it's not ne- like, it's never, it's never the, the easy path to get to, you know, incredible work. It's, it's a bumpy road, you know, and it never, Absolutely, never ends yeah. for sure. Cool, yeah. man. Well, how, how can you let people know how to find you on, uh, on Instagram and, and whatever
1: else you want to let people know about? I mean, I guess I don't really have a website, but you can see my work in Bon Appetit magazine every month. Um, and you can follow me on Instagram at young, Lao, Y U N G B L U D L A U. And yeah.
0: Cool, man. Well, cool. dude, Alex, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me. That'll do it guys. Thank you so much for hanging out and checking out that episode of the dark room podcast with Alex Lau. Uh, you can find him on Instagram at young. Oh my gosh. Hang on. It is y u n g b l u d lao l a u you can also see a lot of his work on uh, bon appetit on instagram and in the magazine physical copies are not dead like they really aren't i get it that it that is kind of happening i really do but man i'm still i'm still so into certain magazines and and photo books i know i talk about that a lot on this podcast um but physical copies are not dead so go pick up a bon appetit and uh, flip through it, and you will be inspired. And if you don't believe me, I'm telling you, there is nothing like a nice crispy shot of some roasted carrots. I'm telling there's just not. And when you see it, you'll believe it. Um, but anyways, you guys, okay. Alex, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Uh, all right, you guys, thank you for listening. You can find us at Darkroom. You can find me at Dane Diener. And we will see you guys next week.